0: Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In.
1: You have always been a voice of reason through all of this.
0: Appreciate your time what you're doing for America.
2: I give you advice,
0: and it doesn't work at all.
2: You are definitely not inept by any means.
0: I like to hear women say that about me.
2: Whatever advice you're going to send
1: my way, I am 100% taking it.
0: I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what
1: to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. i glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio
2: show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I'm always a
0: bit uneasy, beginning of the show with a sliver of deception. I am not in Canton, Ohio, the Living Bread Studios, home of Mother Angelica. I am in Ann Arbor. That's right. I am up here with Ave Maria Radio Communications. And as a matter of fact, I'm sitting in the chair, the place, the office, the studio of Alcresta. So if in fact, at any time during this broadcast, I sound a bit smarter... That is why there is an ambiance of IQ points residual in this room that are floating around and I am attempting to osmotically imbibe them. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi, trying to work on my own IQ points here. The number to get onto the program is 877-573-7825-877. 57 equal Eric Dumont, <clears throat> my call screamer, and Andrew Kuchek, producer man, are right across the plexiglass, which is kind of interesting. Normally, when we do the program, we're two, three, four hundred miles apart, but not this time. We are approximately ten feet apart. So they can give me their puzzled, perplexed, and somewhat uh, ugly looks when I say something that they disagree with, which happens a lot, but I'm far enough away when I'm in Canton not to see them. 877. 877- 57 equals the number if you'd like to get on the program to ask a question about something in your life a person place thing rock paper scissors or something generic something that intersects with the faith had uh, just a just a very very broad-based question came in yesterday how do I control my anger well you know sometimes it's not a how-to sometimes it's a will to so let me give you the number one more time then I'll do a little bit of business here 877. 877- Five seven three seven eight two five. Now, why exactly am I here? Because right after here, I'm leaving for Traverse City, Traverse City, Michigan, uh, seven o'clock at the City Opera House. Those of you up in that area, it's on Front Street, going to be doing a presentation there at seven o'clock, and then <clears throat> getting a little further out later this week, coming back up to Detroit, but that's the Legatus, so that's, I think, uh, members and guests. However, the first, March 1, Tacoma, Washington, St. Joseph's, March 2, Bremer, Washington, Our Lady Star of the Sea, and March 3, Coeur d'Alene. All of those, the contact numbers are on my website at drray.com, if you're in that area. I have for a long, long time noticed it probably my first or second year of being a shrink that by and large the experts, or the, the nattering classes, the people who speak about how you are supposed to be psychologically correct, are uncomfortable with what would have been considered traditional discipline. Oh, they hate spanking. Spanking is just virulently evil. In their minds, even, even though there's no research that suggests when done by a loving parent in a loving home properly with smaller kids, it doesn't cause any kinds of horrible things. I know there are those of you right now thinking, doctor, I can't believe you're saying this. I'm just simply re- I'm repeating what the American Academy of Pediatrics said when they reviewed the research. But it's broader than that. They are uneasy, I believe. Now, when I say they, I mean, I'm speaking very generically. They're uneasy with discipline. A couple of examples. If you put a child in timeout, and by the way, I've come across a lot of experts who don't like timeout. As benign as that is, it is, oh, it's shaming. It's isolation. It's inappropriate. It's punishment. And they don't like the word punishment either. But if you put a child in timeout and you allow yourself to do that, they they advise you very quickly. uh, One minute per year of age. So you got a five-year-old who just kicked his sister. Well, five minutes. That's, that's what it's worth. Now, <clears throat> they also uh, struggle with consequences in the sense that, let, let me illustrate. Back in the beginning days when I used to consult to the school districts, there was a program that was very popular. And remnants of it are still there. If you have your kids going to a school, elementary school, there's a good chance that you will see this variant of that program. The program touted itself as a back to basics, no nonsense, returning discipline to the classroom. All right, one is thinking, how's this unfold? Structured like this. You write your classroom rules on the board. However, the caveat, you do not write them in a negative way. You don't say, do not leave seat. You say, stay in seat. You do not say, do not speak out. You say, raise your hand to speak. You have to say positive. can't say negative. I guess that just... Isn't the way the whole world works. I mean, I came up here on Route 75, and if I would have gotten pulled over by a trooper, and he would have said, don't speed, I would have said, officer, you need to phrase that in the positive. You need to say, stay within the speed limit. So, that said, that's the first step that indicates this little discomfort with discipline. Don't say it negative. Don't say don't. Or, I shouldn't say don't say don't. I should say... Stay positive. Then, if a child breaks... Can you say break? If a child does not adhere to one of your stated rules on the board, the child is to put his or her name on the board. That's a warning. A rule broken again by the same child, the child puts a check mark next to their name. Now, that's a consequence. Whatever that consequence might be. Maybe head down at the desk for three minutes. Maybe uh, waiting to partake in recess outside, having to sit for a few minutes. Some, Some benign consequence. Every day, the child gets a warning. The warning is, if you break a rule, you simply put your name there. Now, some might say, and I could easily see experts saying this, well, that's shameful. That poor child has to go up in front of the room and put their name on a board. Yeah, well, anybody who knows real kids and anybody who knows kids who like to disrupt, uh, that's a badge of honor, getting to disrupt. But nevertheless, we shall move on. I ask teachers, <coughs> how many kids in your class? Yeah, on average, it's anywhere between 18 and 25. Let's just say 20. Let's do the math. Make it easy. How many state-required school days? Typically, it's 180. So let's take 20 kids times 180 school days. That is 3,600 potential pieces of misconduct that the teacher can do nothing about. Dr. Ray, come on, the kids aren't going to do that. They're not going to all realize. Many of them are not going to misbehave no matter what. Many of them are not going to misbehave every day. No, I'm just simply doing the math. The very strict, no-nonsense, back-to-basics program has wired into it the potential for 3,600 pieces of misbehavior that have no consequences. The variant of this, and I saw it when my children went to parochial school, was you have a card. You have a little card at your desk. And green means you're fine. You haven't broken any classroom rules. Yellow, when you put your yellow card there, means you have. So now you're warned. Yellow card. Red card is a consequence. Now, you see, quickly, it's the same thing. You get one warning every day. So, if in fact, <clears throat> jumping out of my seat and running around the classroom is a warning with no consequence, that's wired into the system. Again, Dr. Ray, kids aren't going to pick up on that. Yeah, well, my son did. He came home from kindergarten and he said, Hey, Dad, we got the rules. And you're allowed to break one every day. I said, what happens, Andrew? Well, you get a yellow card. Does the yellow card do anything? No, just a yellow card. Well, what happens if you break a rule again? Well, that's when you get a red card. And then something happens? Yeah, it's not very much, but something does happen. So you You can get a yellow card every day. Yeah, I know that, Dad. That's really cool, isn't it? I said, "Ah, okay, Andrew, here's what we're going to do, son. I'll give you a week to get used to the system. But then you can't get a yellow card. Well, no, Dad, that's, no, you're allowed. The teacher says you can get a yellow card. You're allowed. That's the way they do it. Uh, Yeah, but you broke one of her rules, did you not? But yeah, but it's okay. You can, you can just, you're not breaking a rule when you get a yellow card. Well, yeah, you are. That's why you got the yellow card. Now, one might say, well, how are you going to know whether he, in fact, had a yellow card if he doesn't tell you? Ha! Oh, come on. He has a sister that goes to the same school. He's a narc. I will know about the yellow card almost before he turns it over at his desk. Father, I have some information you might be interested in. It concerns a boy whose name begins with A. So, given that... This no-nonsense, tough-as-nails, back-to-basics discipline allows a warning every single day for a piece of misbehavior. The implication is the poor kid can't control himself. He can't follow a rule. Why? Because he gets a warning every day. Kind of a little bit of flexibility built into the program. It's a good thing that most kids don't figure that out. My son did. 877 573 7825
3: 877 57 equal I would love to hear from you thank you hi I'm Al Cresta the question of gender identity is divisive controversial and often painful how should parents respond to sons and daughters desiring to change their gender will the church remain free to teach that we are created male and female what do the sciences say We'll find out on March 2nd when Father Gabriel Richard High and Ave Maria Radio host our annual Familiaris Consortio Conference, responding to gender dysphoria in truth and charity. Attorney John Birch takes on gender ideology. Professor of endocrinology Dr. Paul Hrues covers the sciences. Father Sean Kilcawley speaks as a pastor. And you will bring plenty of questions for our panel. Be there Saturday morning, March 2nd, from 8:15 until noon at Father Gable Richard High in Ann Arbor. The event is free, includes a light breakfast. So register at AveMariaRadio.net or FGRHS.org. Ave Maria Radio invites you to feast on the joy of fasting this Lenten season and all year long. Fast from hostility. Feast on peace. Fast from bitterness. Feast on forgiveness, fast from self-concern, feast on compassion for others. Fasting is a part of true Christian life. It liberates us from this world as we grow closer to Christ.
2: Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you are automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
3: we go to your calls, We've
0: got Father Joseph's weekly Lenten meditations, helping you to grow closer to the Lord this Lent. Each Lent is a major opportunity to reflect, to pray, to become detached from the poles of this world. Father Joseph has prepared a series of Lenten meditations to guide you through this season. You sign up for them today at EWTN.com. Click on seasons and feast days. Good stuff. Make you a little more holy. Holier than list this program. righty, Andrew, I gotta I gotta bounce back. Somebody you, you flip a button there. Hello. There we go. I'm already right, says. There you he go. He's got no, I got it. Half half second delay in my ear. There it's gone. Okay, got it. Laura from Houston. Well, she says now this is a problem because her son is normally agreeable, which really makes makes him sound kind of abnormal, because if he's normally agreeable and he's a little kid with his sister, that's abnormal. I would think normally he wouldn't be all that agreeable. Hi, Laura. Hello. Well, I just have a question. This is big. This is really important. Does he throw with his yes. right hand or his left hand?
1: He's a lefty.
0: Ooh. well, okay. Now he can only play first, maybe the outfield. And if he's tall <laughs> enough, he could pitch. But he can't really play any of the infield positions. That's a problem.
1: I'll keep that in mind. All right,
0: thank you. you got to you got to plan on these things, Laura. So how old is his sister that he does this to?
1: She'll be three next oh. month. Oh, all
0: right. So when you say he has a a random impulse, he'll just chuck something at her. Is it random, or, or was there something that happened you just didn't pick up on?
1: Sure. I mean, I'm sure it's not random. On the outside, it seems very um, it seems normal. He'll just they'll be playing, and it suddenly he realizes maybe I'm bigger than her, and I could hurt her just chuck something at her head and she's a very peace loving little girl very much in her head with imagination and you know she just gets taken by surprise a lot yeah <clears throat> and uh i don't know maybe maybe that's where he finds a sense of power or something but uh either
0: that or he just finds a sense of being a 4-year-old brother that's stronger than a 3-year-old sister
1: <laughs> that's true yeah
0: are you concerned about this
1: I'm not concerned about the behavior because I think it is normal, but I do think it's our job as parents to to motivate him to change. And we've tried, you know, the spanking, the timeout, and talking to him about, like, what what Jesus, you know, what Jesus wants him to do is to love her and protect her. And we don't see a lot of change so far, and so I don't know. Are we just doing it all wrong? Is there some secret to helping four-year-old boys not do this to their sisters anymore, you know.
2: What you're
0: saying is he's not stopping quick enough.
1: I mean, well, he'll stop because he he realizes he's going to get in trouble when she starts crying.
0: Until next and then time, he'll,
1: then I'll hear him say yeah. like, "Oh no, no, you're fine, you're fine. Here's a toy. I just want to make you happy now.
0: Here, here's a Don't check. Mom, here's a know? check. I'll write you a check for fifty bucks. Keep your mouth shut." <laughs> That's right. When parents say, we've done this, we've done that, we've done this, and it's still Mm -hmm. happening, what they're saying is, this isn't changing the behavior as quickly as Uh, I thought it would or hoped it would. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I'm not sure that's your major concern. Because as long as she's in your house... Now, you're not going to get rid of her, are you? You're going to let her live there? (laughs) I mean, that's the way to stop it. I mean, you have to say, okay, go live with your grandma. I mean, you could do that, but I'm not sure you want to. Um, So as long as she's there and as long as he's there, you can count on this happening. It just will. Wonderful. (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah, but but it's going to get less. That's a given. The question is, how fast is it going to get less? Mm-hmm. You said this. You said well we've talked to him, you know, we've tried to tried to share with him what Jesus would want him to do. You said we spanked him. Now much of the time by the way when parents spank it's it's tokenism because the kid looks at you like you wrinkled my sweatpants. What are you doing? Okay. Because parents are they're very reluctant to spank because of the experts. The experts tell you you're going to ruin your kid. Okay. And then you say you try timeout. Well, timeout, is it'll work, but it takes a long time. So here's what mm-hmm. I would suggest to speed up the process. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's your little guy's name there, Laura?
1: Everett. Everett.
0: Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say that. <laughs> that comes from the Greek word, everroi, which means he mm-hmm. who throws. It do- Yeah, look, look mm-hmm. it up. Look it up, it does. So, whenever it does that, you put him in your timeout, stand him in the corner. Don't let him sit on the steps. Don't let him sit on a chair. Stand him in a corner. Sport corner is more boring. Mm -hmm. Then, aha, here's where you're going to make your case. The next five things that Everett asks for, whether it's his favorite cup, whether he wants to color, whether he wants to go grab his stuffed animal, whatever it is, you say, Everett. I was going to let you do that or I was going to let you have that. But you threw that at your sister. You can't do that. Next five things. Multi-consequence. That'll pick the pace up. Mm. He'll realize I better I this is getting expensive. It's not worth it. It is mm-hmm. not worth mm-hmm. it lording my power over my sister because when I do Who knows, for example, it just may be you're getting ready to get in the car. And it just may be you're going to McDonald's. And it just may be that his sister is going to get a Sunday. And you look at him, and it's within the five things he's not going to get. And you say, oh, Everett, I would have given you a Sunday, but you you threw that at your sister. You can't do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I did that once with my daughter. She, uh, I forget what she did. <clears throat> and my wife said, Hannah, uh, you will not get chocolate pie tonight after supper. Now, I looked at my wife, and I, I kind of mouthed, we have chocolate pie? And she subtly shook her head no, because what she did is she made up a phantom consequence. You know, Hanny didn't know. Hanny was four or five. She didn't know that we didn't have chocolate pie. She just thought she lost her chocolate pie. So then right. I said, you know what else, Hanny? We were going to go to Disney World tomorrow. But now that's off. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I laughed. Okay, I'm not that cruel. But I thought it was pretty good, though. My next five consequences. Uh, loss of Disney World. Uh, no graduation present. Uh, no wedding rehearsal dinner. let uh, see. What else did I think of? Um... Oh, yeah, no prom dress, uh, and uh, your bed is simply going to not have the uh, sheets on it anymore. No, I didn't do all that. But that's what I did. So multi-consequence works really well, Laura. It really does. It picks up the pace.
1: All right.
0: You want the bad news?
1: Mm, Yeah, that's why I called, I guess.
0: We adopted our son when he was four. And he... Oh, shoot, running out of here. All right, I'll give you the bad news just on the other side of this. Don't, don't leave me, or I'll throw something at you. 877-573-7825. Want to hear from you. We're down at the bottom of the hour, and that's usually when another group of calls comes in. So definitely want to hear from you with questions about the stuff of life. Me. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. Privileged to do this program. Privileged to be with you, visit with you. This is one of those jobs I always dreamed about as a kid. People say, you actually get paid for doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I really, uh, I struggle. I struggle through the job because right now I have a, uh, a diet Mountain Dew and it's uh, getting warm, it's getting a little warm. So uh, I make sacrifices for you people. Laura, are you still there? I am. I was going to give you bad news, and you held on for the bad news, didn't
1: you? Yeah, I'm that kind of person. (laughs) All
0: righty. We adopted our son when he was four. There's no doubt in my mind that our son, who had had a lot of uh, early neglect in his life and was in a situation where he was allowed to pretty much run free, undisciplined. He Mm -hmm. threw these fits at our house. And uh, we did the, the multi-consequence approach. Five, next five consequences, next five privileges, you ask, we reminded you, no, not after a, not after a temper like that, Johnny. Now here's the bad news. How long do you think it took before he finally got to the point where he realized that, uh, okay, it's going to fade into virtually no more anymore? Mm, ten years? Well, you, well, I, if hey, if it would have been ten years, I'd have torn my head out. It was about a year.
4: <laughs>
0: okay. But, but it declined. I mean, it did decline. Um, but but it, part of it was he had to be five years old. He developed a little more mm-hmm. self control, neurologically speaking. And I think with your little guy, you're you're looking at okay. There's a sister. There's her head. There's an object I can throw. I'm bigger. She's sweeter. I'll do this and then I'll try to do damage control. Uh oh. Here comes mom. I think that's the dynamic. Mm-hmm. But I love the way, I love the way you haven't, you haven't filled it with all kinds of psychological meaning like so many parents nowadays do. You got a four year old who's chucking something at his sister. All right. We're going to handle it. <laughs> Laura, thank you for that's the sweet correct. call. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Bye. All right, let's go to uh, yeah yeah I got time. Enrique, how are ya? I'm good. How are you, sir? Well, nothing gaining on me.
4: <laughs> great, great, nice to nice to hear that. Doctor, um, uh, I was calling because I, I'm having some uh, issues with um, uh, money wise. Uh, so we have a few bills that are I'm coming up short with like at the end of the month to pay out. Um, so the thing is that like I would like to get like a part time job. But I know that option for like I, my, my wife and I, right? And I know she wouldn't like that option too much, just because of uh, you know time sake, family time, and all that stuff. And and she might wanna might wanna work, and that's kind of what I don't want her to do. Um, just because like uh, she's not still doesn't speak English that well, so um, you know her t- the type of job she would get would be something like like kind of like fast food or something like that, and or, or you know create you know that type of um, job where like it's really it's tough. Because she did do it for about three years and she finally quit this year because she was pretty much, you know, she was done. And, um, so and I don't want her going back to that, right? So she does, um, she does like, uh, notary and she's like a lawyer from a different country. So she works for the pop- population of, uh, here in Las Vegas for like the Salvadorian pop- population. So she does like documents for those types of, uh, like, you know, like power of attorneys or things like that. Uh, so that comes every now and then. That's the that job of the, the um money wise it comes in every now and then. She'll get some documents that uh, Enrique here's the She'll question.
0: Here's the yeah. question. <laughs> you say you can't make your bills. Is that because the bills of daily living, eating, mm-hmm. uh, paying utilities, gas, food Is more than you're bringing in, or is it because you're buying some things that you really don't need but you want to have?
4: Actually, uh, you know what it is, Dr. Ray? Um, We had some medical uh, emergencies last year. So um, that plus just like a small loan that I have. But most of those medical bills uh, kind of messed my budget up, and then I was unemployed for two months last year. So that kind of really... Messed up my balance, my budget.
2: <laughs> your
0: so, wife says I don't want you to work. Yes. And then you asked her, "Okay, how do we pay these bills down?"
4: Um. No. I. I maybe I should communicate a little better because I don't tell her what I'm paying out just because I don't want her to stress or you or better want her tell her or,
0: <laughs> your your partners. She's got to know right. these things because if you're going to solve the problem, mm-hmm. you got to let her know there is something there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Say, Tell her, I'm not trying to scare you. Here's here's the mathematics.
2: Here mm-hmm.
0: Here is the pros, the cons. This is what goes out every month. If I try to pay that small loan and I try to pay a little bit on the medical bills, given our other living expenses, this is what I take in, we're falling short about $200 a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you want to make that up? You ask her that. How do you want to make that up?
4: Right, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, and,
0: and the good news here, Enrique, is that you're not saying like so so many people now in our culture are saying, "Well, I want this. I want that. I want an iPhone 15. All I've got's an iPhone 13. Oh, I want no. an 82 inch TV screen. All I've got's a 62. I want no. a 2024 Yukon. All I've got's a 2018 Camry." You're not doing that.
4: No, not at all. Not at all, Doctor Ray. Yeah, I don't. Yours is that. a practical
0: number problem. Yes, and it it <laughs> yes. has to be looked at from a perspective of all right. What has to be paid? How? And if she says I can I can do some things from home, or if you say uh, if I work a day on the weekend. Would that be too much if I if I if I head out on Saturday at eight and come back at five, an extra day a week, just to get yourself past that two months where you weren't working, and get a little bit ahead of that medical bill and that loan? Right. But it's going to come down question. to her cooperation.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, question, Doctor Ray, uh, for to have that 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 uh that sit down, what do you recommend?
0: I think you tell her exactly what's happening. You say mm-hmm. here's the numbers this is this mm-hmm. is what's going out every month. This is what's coming in every month. Mm-hmm. We're falling behind.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: now, what adjustments can we make that will be the least disruption to our family life? Mm-hmm. and you lay out the opportunities. You say, do you, do you want to work part-time? Do you want me to take on another 15 hours a week? Is there something mm-hmm. you can do from home? Uh, how, do, how do we do this? She, she may say, well, you know, we don't need to have those three uh, subscriptions that we have, that the, the magazines are coming in. Because typically, even though you say, Enrique, that you're living rather frugally, there's generally a lot of slop in the way Americans live. You know, we go out to eat twice a week, or we have uh, an entertainment budget that we don't want to give up. There's things that are happening that could be set aside for a while. Thanks, Enrique. 877-573-7825. 877-57EQUAL. That's the number I want to hear from you. Dr. Ray. Question off air and I want to address it because it it touches upon other questions unspoken. The core question seems relatively straightforward, but in fact there are broader questions. Got a caller, a seventeen month old granddaughter. Now that's not who called. I'm gonna assume grandma called. Uh, the parents would like her to be off the bottle and the pacifier. Now, her son-in-law, okay, oops, in-law, watch out there, Grandma. Son-in-law is taking them away, cold turkey. And Grandma says, is that the best way? Or is weaning them better? All righty, since you come to me, and I'm a highly trained professional, I don't know. Depends upon the kid. Depends upon the situation. Depends upon the parent's judgment. Here's the broader question, though. This is the parent's decision. Grandma says, well, I'm not sure that the way they're doing it is good. Or the way I would do it. Or it seems to make her unhappy. All of those may be true. But they are trumped <clears throat> by the broader question of whose child is it? And my suspicion, nah, I shouldn't say suspicion. My guess is that, grandma, if you say something unless they want your advice you're running the risk of them not wanting to hear your input. Their view is this is what I'm gonna do. And you may make a case. You may say, But yeah, but 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 if you do it all at once, look how distressed she's gonna be and slow it down and a little bit at a time. A case can be made for all at once. Let me draw a parallel to smoking cigarettes, although the the attachment to a pacifier is certainly not as strong as attachment to a cigarette. If someone says, Well, I'm going to quit smoking, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm smoking 10 cigarettes a day. So next week I'm going to smoke 9, week after that I'm going to smoke 8, week after that I'm going to smoke 7. That can work, but it keeps the craving alive. That used to be the notion. You just wean yourself off slowly. The problem is, if this is something that you're really attached to, every time you reintroduce it to you, you want more of it. You, you surge. So, <clears throat> if son-in-law, and again, in-law, be careful, in-law, you don't generally have the flexibility to give advice to an in-law that you might to your daughter, if you question it, it could be taken as though you're questioning my parenting. And if you say, "Yes, I am questioning his parenting because I don't think his parenting's right." The problem is, first of all, this is a judgment call. This is a a parenting move. And if you say, "Well, I wouldn't do that." You have every right to say I wouldn't do that, but I wouldn't say it out loud. I have seen more problems caused by a well-meaning grandparent telling or questioning, questioning and sometimes critiquing how a son, daughter, daughter daughter-in-law, son-in-law is doing something with the grandchild that is not risky to the child's health. It's just a, a difference of style or parenting approach. If, for example, my grandchildren are acting in a way that I would never have permitted my children to act, I don't say a word. Why? Because they're not my children. They didn't ask me. Were they to ask me, I'd say something. Or I'd ask some questions about why they're doing it that way. But if they don't, I don't say anything. Now, I'm probably on relatively safe ground by saying something because I don't really have our relationship with our children and our and their grandchildren is pretty solid. But they still didn't ask. Dr. Ray, come on. If they're not going to baptize that baby, well, okay, that's not been an issue, but let's say let's say it would be. Yeah, I might ask. What what are you doing with baptism? And if it's clear they're not going to Or they say something to the effect that, well, we'll get around to that when we want to get around to it. We're not sure what we're going to do. I'm probably going to be forced to let it go. Because I read the cues. And when a grandparent does not read the cues, when a mother-in-law offers child-rearing guidance to a daughter-in-law, which is oftentimes the most friction-filled relationship, and the mother-in-law does not read the signals that she's getting from the daughter-in-law, which is, I don't want to hear it. If she continues, sadly, I've seen that relationship grow distant. And in worst-case scenario, broken I can't tell you how many grandparents have told me, I'm not allowed to see the grandkids anymore. So you got to be delicate, because the bottom line is this, and this goes back to what I said in that first monologue: Traditional discipline that was much more common two generations ago, even a generation ago, is not being practiced in the same way commonality if you will by the younger parents so that can create differences of opinion and that can create friction and you don't want that to break a relationship I'm Dr. Ray we still have time for one more call when I come back from the break 877-573-7825 remember you call you have any equal chance of getting on
5: Today's programming on 990 WTEO is brought to you in part by gift from our day sponsor. The annual Rose Mass for Catholic healthcare workers celebrated by Bishop Boyer will be at 4.30 p.m. Saturday, March 9th at St. Thomas in Ann Arbor, followed by a reception in the Parish Hall. Karen Bussey, director of the Mother Teresa House, will speak on redemptive suffering. Suggested free will donation is $20. RSVP at cmalansing at gmail.com. That's cmalansing at gmail.com.
3: When you talk about the Reformation, you often hear talk of five solas. Sola Scriptura, Sola Fide, Sola gratia, Solus Christus, and Soli Deo Gloria. Catholics have no serious problem with Solus Christus or Sola Gratia. The problems are with Sola Scriptura and Sola Fide. Catholics will maintain that Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone, is itself unscriptural. Where in Scripture does Scripture refer to itself as the only infallible authority that we have? It's also illogical to say that you stand on Scripture alone presupposes that you know what Scripture is. and. Frankly, we don't know what Scripture is, because it's a tradition that we've inherited. We don't establish it. We know what counts as Holy Scripture, because Catholic bishops detected that certain texts were inspired by God. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays
0: from
5: 4 to 6 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. This week on Christ is the Answer, it's the season of Lent, and Father John wants to help us prepare for Easter. Let's start out with a question. What are you doing to prepare for Lent? The church has so many faithful ways for us to traverse this season of fasting so that we can get the most out of prayer and penance. Join us this week as Father John wants to help us get the most out of Lent as well as how Jesus wants us to pray. Tune in for Christ is the Answer Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio.
0: To you at acting like you predict. Those wacky psychologists have done studies on this. And they ask folks, what would you do if you were in this situation? Would you be honest? Or would you say this? Or would you respond this way? And most people <clears throat> think they would react more properly, uh, maybe more morally, more maturely. And what they find is that when the pressure of the situation occurs, they don't quite act like they predicted they would. We have a classic example of that in our first pope. St. Peter said, I will never deny you, even if I have to die with you. While he was standing next to our Lord, he was pretty brave. And he was pretty confident about how he would react. And then, he had not one, not two, but three chances to live his prediction, and he didn't. And in one, he swore an oath around a slave girl. The lowest of the social groups in that culture. He thought, in fact, he knew how he would act. A common example of that is when someone comes to my office for marriage counseling because there's been an adulterous relationship. Often the offended spouse will say, I thought that if this would ever happen in my relationship, the marriage is over. The trust would be broken. I couldn't live with someone I couldn't trust. The whole image of our marriage would be shattered. And here they are in therapy, often at the behest of the aggrieved spouse to try to heal. Why? Because when the situation <clears throat> actually presented itself, there were many things to consider. There were children. There was a 17-year marital history. There may have been an extremely penitent Spouse. There may have been financial considerations. All sorts of factors entered in that were not considered back when the spouse said, Were this to ever happen, I know exactly how I would react. We're not very good at it. Furthermore, the more stress-filled the actual situation, the less likely we are to predict accurately. You've all had experiences where somebody's told you what somebody said to them that was hurtful or nasty, and you'd say, ha they say that to me. They say that to me, and that, I'll tell you how I'd handle that. And then, perhaps you find yourself Somewhat in a similar situation. And what do you do? You don't fight back like you said you would. You don't challenge. You keep your mouth shut. Why? Because shooting through your head at that moment is all kinds of possible complications if you let go, if you unload. This guy's your father-in-law. You're going to unload on your father-in-law? You're going to take a chance that the relationship is going to get shattered No. I think there's a certain humility in saying, I'm not sure how I would react, but I hope and pray that I would react the right way, well. In the act of contrition, I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to sin no more. You can tell I'm old because I got this variant And to avoid the near occasions of sin. Amen. Near occasions of sin. That basically is putting yourself in a situation where you might say, Oh, no, no, no. No, I wouldn't sin in that situation. I think I have a lot more moral strength than to do that. The church knows. Church knows. uh, Don't put yourself there because you don't know. You may feel like the grace of God can carry you through but you really don't know how strong that temptation can hammer you. So, the best thing to do is to stay away from those situations. As a psychologist, I've seen an awful lot of people do things that are very self-destructive. Why? Because they were overly confident that they could handle the situation. Not a problem. I have enough self-discipline and self-control. I'm not going to create trouble for myself or for anybody else. And then, as the situation pressed upon them, they found themselves weakening or cracking, and later thinking, I can't believe I did. I thought I would never do that. There's a certain great humility in acknowledging that I'm not always going to be accurate in how I think I'm going to react. So therefore, it's in my best interests to stay away from those situations that will make me live up to my prediction well, I'm going to head over to, let me see where I'm going tonight. Right now, as soon as I leave this place, I'm heading up to Traverse City. The City Opera House is 7 o'clock. going to give a talk there. Uh, I'm not going to sing there. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, unless they have karaoke. Karaoke. Carey, but if you'd like to come up and join us, Traverse City. Now, that's uphill from Ann Arbor, so it might take me a little longer to get there. But tonight, when I come back home, it's downhill. So, thank you for joining me here on The Doctor Is In, as I... Leave Ann Arbor behind, but I do feel much smarter having sat in the office that Al Cresta
2: inhabits. Walk with God, always. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.